This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Back when I was in college, I studied with a great jazz guitarist in New York City named Steve Cardenas. And Steve is a fantastic jazz musician, tours around the world with lots of different artists and has recorded albums in all senses of the word, a very accomplished musician and seasoned jazz player. And in one of our lessons one time when I went out to his house in Brooklyn, he told me something that was slightly disturbing, at least to the way I was thinking about learning music and jazz at the time. And that was he told me that he had never transcribed a jazz solo before. And this shook me up because many of us understand that conventional advice for learning jazz is to learn jazz solos by ear, transcribe jazz solos, and he didn't do that. And that kind of threw me in a whirlwind and kind of turned my world around. So today I want to talk about five reasons why you actually might not want to be transcribing jazz solos to learn how to play jazz and improve your solos. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. We want musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Thank you for showing up for another episode of the podcast. Do appreciate you. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for being here today. I'm here to provide as much value as possible and help you improve even just 1% more in your jazz playing. I'm excited to do that. And today's episode is a little bit strange, like I've sort of been alluding to in the intro, where we're talking about this idea that maybe transcribing jazz solos isn't actually that great idea that pretty much everybody has made it out to be. And just to catch everybody up to speed a little bit about transcribing and why this is usually considered a good thing, well, first of all, when we use the word transcribing in jazz, the literal meaning of transcribing is to write something down, right? That's what transcribing actually means. But when we talk about it in the context of jazz, rarely does it actually mean in reference to writing down a piece of music, right? It actually usually has to do with just learning a, a jazz solo or learning any kind of piece of music by ear and usually means committing it to memory, right? Not necessarily writing it down, but committing it to memory. So sometimes it means both, but most of the time when you just hear a jazz musician say transcribing a solo, they're usually just referring to the act of learning something by ear. Don't ask me why. Don't understand why there's a literal turn of writing something down, but it's rarely meant that. That's just the words that are used in jazz lingo. So just to catch everybody up to speed in case that wasn't clear in the first place, we're really mostly talking about learning jazz solos by ear. But before we talk about these five reasons why you might want to consider not 
learning jazz solos by ear. Let's talk about first, in case we also need to catch you up to speed here, why this is actually very common conventional wisdom to learn jazz solos by ear. Literally, I am not the first person to say this, and certainly I've done episodes on this podcast where I talk about the benefits of of learning jazz solos by ear, of transcribing. I'm not the first person to say this. Like Literally, probably any person who's teaching someone how to play jazz at some point in time is going to tell you that learning jazz solos from the great jazz musicians and committing them to memory is one of the best things that you can do for your jazz playing. And let's just quickly go over some reasons why they say that, right? So first of all, you've probably heard before like the comparison to jazz being a language or music being a language, right? And so obviously, if we want to learn a language, you can't really just say something out of nothing. You have to sort of learn some vocabulary. You have to learn how people say sentences or even put sentences together, right? And so when we're bringing this into the music realm, and let's say we want to learn how to solo like Charlie Parker, well, what's the best way to start understanding the language that Charlie Parker is using? Well, it's just simply to copy exactly what he's doing, right? Like, ooh, how do I improvise over the jazz standard Scrapple from the Apple? Okay, well, let's just listen to how Charlie Parker did it. He wrote the tune. He takes a great solo on top of that tune. Let's literally copy what he's doing so that we can figure out how to play more like Charlie Parker. And honestly, when we think about it in those terms, it just makes complete sense. It's like, Obviously, you want to play better jazz, you want to play better bebop, then go and learn how people are actually doing it. Or maybe, for example, you like the style of a certain musician. Maybe you're a big Art Farmer fan and you want to learn how to play more like Art Farmer and the way he phrases things and the way he holds out his notes and maybe the tone on his trumpet. Well, one of the best ways to start getting into that is to simply copy what Art Farmer is doing. Figure out what are the exact notes, how does it actually sound when he plays, trying to copy him exactly, right? So that's the main reason people talk about learning jazz solos, right? And especially when we're talking about not the literal term transcribing, as in writing it down, but more so just the act of learning by ear and memorizing, it's a really good way to internalize music. And when it comes to improvisation, I always like to say that improvisation is where what we're hearing in our head meets our muscle memory. And when we're transcribing or learning jazz solos by ear, really that's what's going on. You're exercising your ear muscle, which is incredibly valuable for improvisation, that spontaneity. But also you're having to go through this kind of rigorous process of repetition of listening to the recording and then learning a little phrase, then going back and doing it again and then trying to match what that is with the recording once you've actually learned it on your instrument and memorized it and you're building this muscle memory. And so as you can see, like just going through this process alone, you're strengthening these important elements of becoming a good improviser, which again is the muscle memory where it meets the ear. So there are many other reasons as well to transcribe solos, learn things by ear, These are just the main ones I'm talking about, but this is why everybody says to do it. It's almost like a broken record, and I'm sure this is not the first time you're hearing that learning solos by ear, call it transcribing, whatever, is one of the highest leverage activities that you can do to improve your jazz improvisation skills. 
But that's not what we're talking about today. Because I truly do believe that there are some reasons why you would not want to do this and why just the act alone of learning solos by ear is sometimes just simply not enough. Or even, I'll go as far as to say, can be detrimental if done too often and too much. So let's talk about that. Reason number one why you might not want to be transcribing solos. The reason number one is because it is time-consuming. Learning solos by ear is time-consuming, especially if you're doing it what I would say the quote-unquote correct way, which would be first, you're listening to that solo over and over and over again before you even pick up your instrument so that you're able to actually internalize it before even touching that instrument, right? We're talking about the hearing portion, being able to hear that solo first. And then when you finally go to bring it onto your instrument, this is a tedious process. It takes time. You're probably learning like four uh, beats at a time, like one bar at a time, two bars at a time. If you're new to it, it might take you a lot longer because you're just not used to learning things by ear. And uh, definitely it gets a lot easier, a lot faster. All of my inner circle members who start doing this will tell you that at first it's slow going, but then it gets faster and it becomes more rewarding. That being said, even if you start getting good at learning stuff by ear and translating it to your instrument, it still takes time. You still have to learn bar by bar, phrase by phrase. You still have to go back and repeat. You still have to go back and review. You still have to go and memorize. There's a lot to it. It's time consuming. And if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of time to practice, which a lot of my inner circle members fall into that category. They have jobs, they have careers, they have families, Right. And so practicing their instrument is something they love to do, but don't necessarily always have enough time. At least most of them report back, I wish I had more time to practice. Right. And so if you have limited amounts of time to practice, let's just say you only have 30 minutes to practice, you may or may not want to be spending that time transcribing a solo because it is very time consuming. Okay, so if you don't have a lot of time to practice, there's a chance that transcribing a jazz solo at this given point in time is not the best use of your time to improve as a jazz musician. Now, I'll talk a little bit for a second about exceptions to that, right? Perhaps you've discovered that the main thing you're struggling with in your jazz playing right now is you're not really that good at playing over two, five, one chord progressions. That being the most important chord progression in all of jazz and shows up in jazz standards time and time again. And so perhaps you decide, well, I'm not going to learn a whole jazz solo, but I want to learn some two, five, one language, right? And so maybe it is a good use of your 30 minutes of time to go and learn that Sonny Rollins two, five, one lick or that Red Garland two, five, one lick or Bud Powell fill in the blank. And you learn that by ear. And that is a way of getting some micro jazz language into your arsenal over top of this chord progression. So certainly the act of transcribing can still be useful if you don't have a lot of time. However, it's to be used with caution. Make sure that what you need right now in your playing is learning more language before you spend a small amount of practice time working on transcribing part of a solo or an entire solo. Because again, this is time-consuming, 
And so we want to make sure if we don't have a lot of time to practice, we are optimizing our time so that we're improving quickly, right? That's what we really want to do. We want to improve quickly in our jazz playing. And really that comes down to, yes, what we're practicing, but also how we're practicing. And that's something that we actually spend a lot of time talking about in our inner circle membership is how are we practicing so that we are reaping big, big, big results in our jazz playing, not just working on the right things, but working on them in such a way that we're improving in the way that we personally need to improve to get to the next level. Okay. So that's number one, it's time consuming. So you may not want to be transcribing solos, especially if you don't have a lot of time. Number two is it can be frustrating. Okay. Number two, it can be frustrating. And I especially hear this a lot from newer players who are getting into learning jazz solos by ear, especially a lot of classical musicians coming into our jazz world who, you know, really want to improvise and they're just really good at reading music from a piece of sheet, right? Like they are really good at reading music, sight reading music much better than I am for sure. But when it comes to like learning things by ear, that's actually more of a new concept. And so sometimes what you get, at least what I hear from musicians is that they get frustrated with this process, right? It can be frustrating, again, because we go back to it, it seems time-consuming and a little bit tedious, literally like repeating just one or two notes at a time on a recording, you know, dragging, your, like scrolling backwards on your media player just to like get a couple notes at a time. And so some people find this frustrating, Um, Other people find this really enjoyable, right? There's some people that actually are like, oh, I actually like doing this. This is fun. And usually the people that say that, by the way, are when they've learned at least a chorus of a solo and they're playing it along with the musician on the recording. And then you start getting the dopamine hit because you're like, oh, sweet. I can play like Miles Davis now. This is pretty cool. Or I can play like John Coltrane. Wow, I can't believe it. Like, so this work paid off, right? So that's usually... When people don't find it frustrating, but it can be frustrating, especially if you're newer at doing it at first, and it can be tedious. And one thing that I always want to instill in everybody when you're studying jazz is if you're getting too frustrated with something, it means that you need to move on. And I'm not saying that we don't need to face challenges in our musicianship and our jazz playing and that sometimes it's going to draw us out of our comfort zone. Obviously, we know the conventional wisdom that if we want to grow and improve, yes, we do have to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. But on the flip side of that, if we get overly frustrated and overly discouraged, we're going to lose motivation. And I like to say that motivation, uh, lack of motivation rather, is the number one killer of long-term progress as a musician, especially in jazz, right? If you start to lose motivation to practice and you're not having as much fun anymore, then you're essentially killing everything, right? And if we don't keep the ball rolling, even if it's at a slow pace, then that's when we really start wasting our time and we start going into this vicious cycle of quitting and starting again and quitting and starting again and just slow, slow improvement, which in and of itself can be frustrating. So we don't want to lose motivation. And so if you get overly frustrated with learning a jazz solo by ear transcribing, then it's probably time to move on to something new. And that's why it can be good advice if you do want to transcribe is to do it 
in a more micro level. So I talked earlier about perhaps just over a lick versus thinking about learning an entire solo. That can lead to burnout for a lot of people. There's some people who are really great at it. They've done been doing it for years. And so learning a two or three chorus solo by ear actually can be done in the course of two or three days and it's done. But for some people, that would be a massive task that would take at least a month to do. And so sometimes it's better that if you want to engage in this activity, because you do believe it's helpful for you, do it on a more micro level where you're learning just a chord progression or maximum, right? A chorus of a solo, like maybe just a 12 bar blues chorus, right? Something that's more achievable for you so that you don't get frustrating. So number two is it can be frustrating. And so if it gets too frustrating, you're going to lose motivation. If you're not having fun, you're going to lose motivation. We want to avoid that at all costs. So just make sure that you're aware of that and you are wary of stepping too far into the frustration zone. Number three, and this is a big one here, but also a little controversial, is it doesn't always translate to better solos. Wow, right? That's a big statement I just made. Learning jazz solos by ear from the greats, the greatest jazz musicians in the world, is not always going to translate to better jazz solos. And if you're in the middle of a big transcribing project right now, you probably just felt uh, the something in your stomach just lower. Like you're the pit is, if your stomach is just, it's not feeling good right now because basically I'm insinuating that perhaps the work that you're doing, the tedious work as we just discussed, is actually not going to pay off in the end, right? So that's that's troubling. If you're hearing it, that's troubling. So why do I say that? What can happen sometimes when we're learning jazz solos by ear is we are indeed learning this information on our instrument, but we're only accessing a certain part of our brain. And it skews very much so to just copy and imitation. And when we think about soloing and improvising well, rarely does it have anything to do with imitating or copying, right? It can if you're responding to someone in the band. But really, when we're thinking about great improvisers, is it's really just their ability to take language and speak it for themselves. I mean, and really, again, just to go back to the language analogy, because even though it's cliche, it's just so true. If you're having a conversation with someone, like just imagine that you're, you know, waiting in line at a jazz club to go watch a show and a, a stranger who's in line with you just starts talking to you and they ask you like, Hey, are you excited about the show today? Well, that's going to suddenly cause you to speak right to them and you're going to have to come up with a response now likely let's just say that you are excited about the show so you're probably going to say yes but you're not going to just stop and say yes like you might ask the person the same question you might elaborate more on why you're excited about the show you might talk about what instrument you play you might talk about what some of your other thing favorite instruments are so they might ask you a question back and suddenly you have this spontaneous conversation going and it's all improvisation, right? And that improvisation is, yes, coming from vocabulary that you learned probably from the time of your birth, but also through grade school and things like that. Like all these things that you don't have to think about anymore just kind of come out, right? 
That's conversation. That's language in action. And that's what's happening when you're improvising jazz solos as well. And when you're just simply copying a jazz solo that you've learned, that side of your brain isn't accessed as much. It's really just the, I'm quoting sentences back to you, right? It's almost like a a robot, or there's a lot of talk about AI these days, right? It's like, here's an information, right? That we're just going to spit back out at you. So what I really want to impress upon you today is that transcribing solos in isolation, and if you don't do anything else with it, you may be losing out and not improving the way you should. Um, And so when we're really doing this, we have to think about transcribing as just simply part of the process of improving our solos. So we think about that as we're learning language, right? That's the transcribing process. Then the next step in the process is we need to start adapting that into our own voice. Um, In our Inner Circle membership, we have a course called Bridging the Gap to Jazz Improv, and we talk about this a little bit. A few suggestions we give is recomposition. So you're looking at this solo that you've learned, and then you're kind of recomposing it, like sticking to the same themes, the same ideas, but you're kind of changing it a little bit. And that starts to get your brain thinking more creatively and helping you go, oh, this is the way I would actually say it. Then we also talk about just plain old composition, which is slowing the improvisation process down. And that's you coming up with an original solo, but actually, again, not necessarily writing it down, but you're crafting and memorizing your own solo. And what might happen is some of the language that you did learn when you were transcribing is hopefully going to pop out or you'll actually consciously be thinking about that language like, ooh, I like the way that Bud Powell played this altered line over the five chord. I can use some of that in my own solo, right? And then finally, we usually talk about improvisation, right, by itself. Like once you've kind of gone through these steps and processes, then improvisation, it's more likely that some of these things that you originally learned and you're transcribing is going to come out because we've made the transition from just the simple left brain, learning the information, copying and just saying it verbatim to the creative side where we're actually applying that organically. So transcribing solos doesn't always translate to better solos. We have to think of it as one step in a full process of becoming more creative. And if we don't apply what we're learning, that language that we're learning. It could be that you're not going to see the benefits that we want you to see from going through the process of transcribing. So keep that in mind. Number four is it won't help you develop your own voice. And I alluded this to this a little bit in the last one we just talked about, but it kind of goes without saying that Once you transcribe one of your favorite musicians, like let's say Bill Evans is one of your favorite pianists and you're learning how to play his solos and his stuff, then you're obviously really just channeling Bill Evans, right? That's what you're doing. You're sounding just like Bill Evans because you're literally playing exactly his things. And if you're doing the transcribing process correctly and you're playing it with the recording, then you're literally getting inside the phrasing and all that stuff, which is the exact point. You're literally literally trying to understand the essence of how Bill Evans is playing so that hopefully you can take some of that and put it into your playing, right? But again, in isolation, if all you do is transcribe solos and you learn stuff by ear, and that's the main thing you do always in your practicing, 
then you're probably not going to develop much of an original sound. Now, why do we want to develop an original sound? So on one hand, the obvious is we always talk about, oh, you want to sound like yourself, right? You want to have a great sound. Like Bill Evans sounds like Bill Evans, right? And John Coltrane sounds like John Coltrane. And, you know, fill in the blank. Like we as educated musicians, when we hear a recording, we go, oh, that there's a difference between Clifford Brown and Freddie Hubbard. Like we know it. Um, if, if, we, if we understand jazz, maybe just a regular person who, who doesn't listen to jazz really we wouldn't be able to tell the difference from one saxophone player to the other. But we know and we understand clearly the difference between Wayne Shorter and Sonny Stitt, right? It's just night and day difference there. Okay. And so we want to develop that too, right? We obviously, our goal isn't to be a Wayne Shorter sound alike, right? Our goal is to have our own sound that we truly are proud of, right? That's, that's one element of developing our own sound. But the other side of this too is if we are just trying to learn jazz solos by ear and get that language to come out in our solos, again, in isolation, the stuff that you learn from other musicians is far less likely to come out organically in your playing than the stuff that you actually create for yourself. Okay. So whenever you felt frustrated in the past with like, oh, I learned this solo or I learned this lick, but then when I go to improvise, I'm not really hearing it come back out at me. Well, first of all, maybe again, you didn't go through any recomposition or composition processes or practicing improvisation in certain ways with certain strategies that will actually help that language come out in your playing. So that's one side of it, right? But the very basics is the stuff that you learn from other people is less likely to come out in your playing than the stuff that you create for yourself. That's why we do believe in composition. And we talk about that a lot. We have our inner circle members do that a lot because composing your own stuff, it's like you're getting the chance to dream up a solo that is your own. And yes, you'll be taking stuff that you've learned elsewhere because that's what happens, right? However, that stuff, the lines that you create there is probably more likely to come out in your actual improvisation than the thing that Hank Mobley played, right, on Soul Station. So it won't help you develop your own voice, and we want to develop our own voice for those two reasons. So it's just important to keep this in mind when we think about a balanced diet of improving as jazz musicians. Okay, last but not least, number five, and this is an important one and one that as a jazz coach and a jazz educator over the years, I've had to kind of realize about teaching music, right? And number five is it may not fit your learning style. Okay. It may not fit your learning style. And so that, that one, again, I I'm kind of alluding to is a little bit tough for me to come around. It's been tough for me to come around to that as a teacher, as a coach, because I just, think about jazz in a way of like, it's obvious that you need to learn jazz solos by ear, right? It's just an important necessary step in the process of learning language. And I'm not saying that because it doesn't fit your learning style that you should never do it, right? Sometimes we do have to, again, go outside of our comfort zone, go outside of the things that normally work for us. But ultimately, we want to be spending the most time practicing the stuff that works the best for us, right? So in other words, the things that are helping us learn better, learn faster, are connecting more with us, 
are the things that we should be focusing on more. I go back to my teacher, Steve Cardenas, who told me that he never transcribed a jazz solo, yet he's a world touring jazz musician, uh, saw after teacher, you know, a successful jazz musician, recording albums, all that good stuff. But he hasn't done that before. And I couldn't really tell you because I never asked him what his learning style is. But chances are he must have a different way of learning jazz or thinking about jazz or music in general that worked well for him versus learning solos by ear. And for some of you, learning solos by ear is not going to be the number one way that you improve your jazz playing. For some of you, it's going to be studying theory. Maybe you have a very analytical mind. Maybe you really need to see things and understand a system or why things work. And so theory is going to be very helpful for you, right? Or perhaps like, yes, you do actually write down and transcribe a solo. You notate the solo and that's more helpful for you because you're able to actually look at what the notes are because you're good at reading. And you can say, oh, I see it now. I see that there's a flat 13 on this chord. And I see that he lands on the third of these. Like maybe thinking of music that way is going to actually help you improve your playing faster than just simply learning jazz solos by ear and memorizing them. And again, there's a lot of different learning styles. There's a lot of different ways that you can learn music and play jazz and study jazz. And it's important to figure out what your learning style is so that you can improve faster and most importantly, have the most amount of fun you can possibly have. We want to be always having fun so that we don't lose our motivation to play and we're always excited about playing jazz. So transcribing solos may not fit your learning style. And therefore, I'm not suggesting that you throw away the practice altogether. I'm simply suggesting that you spend more time working on the things that are really working for you versus the things that are creating friction in your jazz playing. So just a quick review, five reasons why you may not want to transcribe jazz solos. No, number one, it's time consuming. And if you don't have a lot of time to practice, maybe it's not the best activity. Number two is it can be frustrating, especially if you're new at it. And if you get overly frustrated, you won't be having very much fun and you may get demotivated. Number three, it doesn't always translate to better solos when treated in isolation as the only activity you do to improve your improvisation. Number four, it won't help you develop your own voice. Therefore, you won't sound just like yourself. And number five is it may not fit your learning style. So what I want you to think about today is what you're going to do with this information. Are you going to double down on learning solos by here? Are you going to do it less than you're doing it right now? Are you going to try to figure out what your learning style is more? Whatever it is, make sure you think about it and then take action. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you found this one valuable. And again, hope that you take action. And if you need help taking action and improving your jazz playing exponentially, 
every single month and having more fun than you ever have in your entire life playing music, then I want you to consider joining our Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle membership. This is where we learn one new jazz standard a month. You feel like you're winning every single time. If you have any questions or you just need to work on specific aspects of your jazz playing, like the blues, rhythm changes, or ear training, then we have courses for that. And we have an awesome community of, you know, tons of other musicians playing all sorts of instruments, encouraging each other, getting excited, helping each other. Like it's really a great place to be, to learn jazz. And so check us out at ljsinnercircle.com, or if you're on a podcast player, find a link to it in the show notes or if you're on the website, find a link in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us and we'd love to help you improve your jazz playing every single month. All right, my friends, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts because we're coming out with another episode next week and I don't want you to miss it. We'll see you back then and happy practicing. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast brought to you by learnjazzstandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes and don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.